0: had some direct uh, influence or uh, part in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is, the birth of Christ. Tonight we're going to look at it, um, Zacharias. So, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, says, "...there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias. Of the course of Abi, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth." They were both righteous before God, walking all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless, and they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink wine, nor strong drink. When, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, from even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel shall return to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife were all stricken in years. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived they had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them, and remained speechless. It came to pass... That as soon as the days of his administration were accomplished, he departed to his own house, and after those days, his, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, "Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me, to take away my reproach, among men." So tonight we're going to look at the Zacharias, the testimony of a godly man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you thank you again for the opportunity, privilege, you have to open your Word tonight. We pray that as we look on the Word of God. That you would encourage our hearts and strengthen us and challenge us in our walk with you. May you be glorified and may we be helped. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, many times we come to biblical characters and we have this idea that you know they're somehow greater than us, or you know that you know Zachary, you know, to have a to have a part uh, in such a a uh, momentous event or or a, a, such a great person, you know, for example, John the Baptist. Jesus said of John the Baptist, there's not a greater man born of woman than John. And so to, to have part in something like that, or to be his father, or to be his mother, we, we kind of sometimes look at people as if they're somewhere above us. But, you know, when you care, read the Scriptures carefully, you find out that these people were just like us. They're just like us. And yet, you know, uh, they were greatly used of God, and, uh, and but they were like us in many ways. I want to notice, first of all, the the character of this man. I want to notice two things. First of all, his position. In verse 6, it says, and they were both righteous. Of course, speaking of Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, they were both righteous before God. In other words, they they You know, though he was a priest and though he lived in a time where uh, we know from the time that Jesus came on the scene, the Pharisees were more concerned about the keeping of the rituals at the temple and the offering of the sacrifices than they were of what those sacrifices stood for, or what those sacrifices represented. You know, they were trusting in the sacrifices. And, you know, it wasn't the sacrifices that was going to atone for sin, you know, they were instructed to bring, to bring all these, but but they were also instructed in the old testament that that one day that the Lord would raise up a redeemer who would be the, the anti-type or the fulfillment of all these animal sacrifices which you are giving. And it's in him that you're to look to. You know, there's many prophecies concerning that. In fact, in Isaiah, you know, and he'll mention these later on in this passage, Isaiah 49, 6 says, and he said It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved Israel. I will also give thee a full light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. And of course, that was a prophecy concerning Christ. Isaiah 53 is a prophecy concerning Christ. Psalm 22 is a prophecy concerning Christ and of His sacrifice. Now, all these things were written in the Old Testament that the, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, particularly the priests, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees should have understood But they didn't, except for a few. And Zacharias and Elizabeth were of those few. When it says that he was righteous, they were both righteous before God. In other words, they were declared right. They understood, Zacharias understood, that what he was doing in the temple would one day come to an end. That one day they would have the fulfillment, someday, someday. And this was the prayer. By the way, this was the prayer of every Jewish woman that she be the mother of the Messiah. And, and to, to be in her place like she was childless was, was a reproach. But, but so these people understood that their righteousness was of God, something they received by faith, not in the sacrifices that he offered at the temple. They were declared righteous by God. Just as we must understand that we cannot save ourselves, that we need to repent and put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So his position was he was righteous before God. He was declared right by God. But not only that, we see his person, he understood his position, but He also in his person he was righteous in that he, verse 6 says, "...walking all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless." Now, again, in that time to be to do that to be walking in all the Lord blameless. The word blameless here means faultless or free from defect. So he was a man not only that understood that these sacrifices represented the one who would, would who would come and take away our sin, but he also understood that I am to be God expects me to offer these sacrifices uh, for my sin in place. In my place. Uh, he was a righteous man, it says. He was blameless. He kept the ordinance or so the commandments of God. You know, and, and to bring that into today's uh, uh, understanding, it's like we, we live to please God. We strive to keep His commandments. We strive to, we acknowledge that the law declares what sin is and we, by His Spirit, Obey the Lord and don't fall in or transgress the law of God. So we live to please the Lord. One of the things that he was instructed concerning this child in uh, uh, verse 15 says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Now, when it says wine nor strong drink, it's signifying there that he should drink neither grape juice nor alcoholic beverages. Neither one. Now, It wasn't commanded of normally of Jews not to drink grape juice. That was a common drink back in those days. But the juice, the fruit of the vine represents the joys and pleasures of life. No, this this child they were going to have wasn't for the purpose of the joys and pleasures of life. That wasn't his purpose in life. That wasn't, wasn't what he was to live for. But you know, many people are consumed with pleasing themselves and not in purity of life. And so this speaks of a man that's going to be given, and people that are given to purity of life, holiness, they weren't concerned about whether it was pleasing or not. They were concerned about, is it right before God? And we know that John the Baptist is that kind of man. You know, he ate locusts and wild honey, I'm not sure. I'd like that kind of a diet, but the honey part may be all right. But I'm not sure about the locusts. I do like honey, but but uh, you know, and he and he 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 lived in the wilderness. He he was he was certainly a different kind of man, which God called him to be. But 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 here's people that are that are not consumed with pleasing themselves. And they're more concerned about, am I right before God? You know, these are the kinds of people that have God's ear, that God listens to that God fellowships with, that God walks with. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They're going to know the presence of God in their life. They're going to see Him working in their life. Genesis 7, 1 says, The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all the house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous. In other words, your conduct has been that which pleases me, and you are right with God. For thee have I seen righteous before me saith the Lord, in this generation. In Ezekiel 14, and then again in verse 20, Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. In other words, these were men. He's saying these were, these were men that were godly men, but though they'd pray to me, they couldn't help you because you're so wicked. I wouldn't hear them. Because you're so obstinate against me. And he says that twice, again in verse 20. Though Doah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. You know, we cannot atone for somebody else by our righteousness. Now, we can intercede on behalf of them through prayer. But these people were so far removed and, and, and so, so advanced in their transgressions against God that God said, even if, you, even if the most righteous people pray for them, I'm not going to hear them. I'm not going to deliver them. My judgment is set. It is determined. But the point is, these men were righteous. In other words, what God's saying, these men have my ear, because they are righteous. You see, that's the kind of man and woman that Zacharias and Elizabeth were. They had this kind of testimony. So that's the character. But then notice, secondly, the confusion of doubt. You know, though he was a, a godly man, yet he was a man. In verse 18, it says, Zacharias, son of the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, not able to speak unto the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season." So, you know, Zacharias was a man that, you know, lived to please God. He had confidence in God. But when when God made a promise to him through the angel of the Lord, he doubted. He doubted. You know, there's always potential for doubt in your life and mine. There's always potential. You know, But we need to understand that God can do the miraculous, and His ways are not our ways. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we can't see the end from the beginning. And sometimes we look at things and we say, "There's no way possible. How are we going to get out of this? How could this work out? How can this work out?" But God sees the end from the beginning. I was telling the the uh, young fellows in Sunday school on last Sunday that, you know, God says, the tithe is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So it's a matter of faith that you give God what is His and you believe that He'll meet your needs with the 90%. You know, some people say, well, I don't have enough to pay my bills this week. Your first debt. Is to give it to God. See, God can make your car last longer. He can make your truck not wear out. He can he can make your tires get more miles on them. You know, God can do anything. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, I've got you know, uh, you know, I I just can't trust God in this area. Yes, you can. He can do anything. He can put tread back on your tires if he wants to. I mean, you know, he can you know, you know what that also that does is when there's when we are it makes us aware of our need and we're more careful. We're more careful. You know, I've always drove used cars, usually well-used cars and trucks. In my I've had, what, four Suburbans now? And not a, one of them had, over had. well, yes, one of them had 75,000 miles on it when I bought it. And almost every one of those Suburbans at about 120,000 or 125,000, 130,000 miles, somewhere along there, they started using some oil. Or some water. They were seen to be prone to have a head gasket leak. And so... You know, one of the things I was meticulous about was I checked fluids constantly. I never blew one up because it ran out of water or it ran out of oil. I've had them get them a little, little bit low on the low side and it come kind of close. But it's never happened. You know why? Because I knew. I knew. See, if, you, if you, 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 God can make you to be more careful in fact, if we're to walk circumspectly—that's idea of carefulness—you um, know, you know, it's careless to think that your car is just going to run without you checking any fluids indefinitely. Then are you made to do that? Well, you know, the car manufacturer might tell you you can do—you know, I have one. I have a car now that you can check the transmission fluid. It Bugs me to no end. I can't check it, so I had to take it to the garage. So, you know, I was a little bit concerned about it, so I took it to the garage and had the fluids and the filters changed on it just to make sure it's okay. Of course, it has 90-some thousand miles on it. It's supposed to be done at 100 anyway. So, so you know, but, but it, it frustrates me that I can't check the fluid on, the, on that thing. Um, but see, God sees, sees the end from the beginning. You know, we see the presence. Eve doubted God. She questioned God, God's promise. God's promise was, the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. She questioned it. Satan questioned it and caused her to doubt. Abraham and Sarah questioned the Lord. And again, these weren't wicked people. Understand, they weren't wicked people. They were people that loved the Lord. Yet they had times of doubts in their life. Job uh, did not understand God's ways. In Job 26, 14, he says, "Lo." These are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? for Job 42, 2 and 3, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholding from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered things, uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful me, which I knew not. You know, Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher in the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, Isaiah 40, 13, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? And so when the angel of the Lord says to Zechariah, Your wife's going to have a child, it, the, the right response would have been to say, Thank you, Lord. Romans 11:34 says who hath know, known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor. You know sometimes we under, we don't understand God's ways. But we need to accept them even if we don't understand. After all, his wisdom is beyond our comprehension. And he don't force his will on us, he simply asks us to follow him. So, so there is this confusion of doubt, but we see here, oh, there's a the potential for doubt, but we see the price of doubt. Verse 19 and 20. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee, to show thee these glad tidings. This is, this is glad tidings, you know. I, I, you know, when, when, uh, when Amber was expecting, you know, that wasn't very long, they wanted to tell everybody. It's glad tidings. However, behold, thou shalt be dumb. You're not going to be able to tell anybody. Since you didn't believe me, you're not going to tell anyone until he's born. Of course, you know, it was kind of rather obvious after a few months with Elizabeth. But but uh, you're not going to be able to tell the good news. You know, isn't that what doubt does to us? It shuts, it keeps our mouths closed. When we doubt the things of God, we're hesitant to tell of his glad tidings. You know, and here we see that God just simply pushed the moot button for nine months, Zacharias. You know, this, this unbelief can happen to us all. In Mark chapter 16, in verse 14, <clears throat> Mark sixteen fourteen, Jesus upbraided, his disciples, it says, After it appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he's risen. You know, these, he, he, they had Mary and, and the, the two that walked in Emmaus that said, We've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. And they, they wouldn't believe him. The children of Israel turned back because of unbelief. Your unbelief will cause us to fail in our walk with the Lord. It will cause us to fall into sin. It'll cause us to yield to the flesh. Eve yielded to the flesh because of doubt. Unbelief. Your unbelief or doubt manifests itself simply by our lack of confidence in the Lord in our daily needs and direction for life. It deadens our witness. I mean, do you tell people about things you're not sure about? Or things you lack confidence in? You know, maybe this is why Elizabeth, the Bible says here that Elizabeth hid herself, in verse 24, she hid herself for five months. You know, it's a little hard after that to, to hide an expecting woman, but, um, but she hid herself for five months. You know, that was probably obvious. But you see, unbelief is a thief that robs us of great joy of telling the good news. Well, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's a reality to me. Are you going to tell it to somebody else? See, that's what doubt does. The Lord wants us to have confidence in but we see the protection Against this doubt or confusion, if you notice in verse 20, again it says, And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. The angel said, These things shall be performed. You know, we need, to, we need to take God at His word. The way to overcome doubt is to take God at His Word. We call it faith. The Bible says in Romans 4, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He staggered not at the promise of unbelief. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, ye, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe His prophets, so shall ye prosper. Psalm 1830, as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in Him. That word buckler means He's a shield of defense. So His word is our defense. Psalm 56, verse 4, In God will I praise His word. In God have I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. See, to not trust in the word of the Lord is to lean to the arm of the flesh. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all in your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Don't lean to your own understanding. You see, Zachariah's problem was, wait a minute, angel. I'm an old man. And my wife's past childbearing years. He says, but this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. It's interesting, the word of God is described as He in that verse. He. He is a shield. Jesus said to... uh, uh, Martha in John eleven forty 40, at the grave of Lazarus, he said unto her, said I not unto thee that thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. You aren't, to get, aren't you glad though that even when we doubt, God still keeps his promises? If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. God made a promise to Zachariah Elizabeth and whether Zacharias believed it or not, he said, These things will be performed. God's going to keep His word, whether we obey it or not, whether we believe it or not. You know, a person can turn away, can turn away from the truth and not receive the truth and, 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 be, and don't think that they're going to die and go to hell, but whether they believe it or not, they are. Because God is going to keep His word. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And of course, the way to conquer our doubt is to put our faith and faith in His Word, to believe His Word. 1 John verse, chapter 5, verses 1, Whoso believeth that Jesus is a Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth Him that begat loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God to keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So believing Jesus Christ and keeping his commandments. Protect us against that. But I want to show this third thing, the confession of Zacharias. The confession of Zacharias. Drop over to verse sixty four you know this now the the child is born, and they're squabbling about the name because usually you know in those days if you were your name was Zacharias, you'd name your son Zacharias or something like that, and they asked Elizabeth because Zacharias couldn't talk about the name, and she said his name is John and and, you know, the, and in the fact, they called him Zacharias in verse 59, the neighbors and the people, after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, not so, but he should be called John. And they said, well, there's none of the kindred in your family that is called by this name, verse 61. And they made signs to his father how he had him called. And he asked for a writing table, and he wrote, saying, his name is John. And they all marveled. His mouth was opened immediately, his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt these... All that dwelt round about them, and all these things were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. So he praised. This is his confession. He praised God. He celebrated with praise. Uh, this was. This was. You know, uh, as it said, uh, noised abroad, or commended, or made widely known throughout the area. I mean, everybody. Everybody heard about it. About this. This. This happening, and so. Uh, he he celebrated with praise, what God was doing in his life, despite his death. doubt is now sight, faith is now sight. You know we ought to we are to celebrate and praise what the Lord is doing. Psalm twenty two twenty three: "Ye that fear the Lord, praise him; all ye seed of Jacob, glorify him. Fear him, all ye the seed of Israel." Uh, Psalm eleven one hundred and seventeen verse one says, "Oh, praise the Lord." All, all ye nations, praise Him, all ye people. You know, this ought to be our confession that we, we praise and glorify the Lord. You know, Paul wrote to the churches in Rome in Romans 15, in verses 8 through 11, he says, "...now I say that Jesus Christ was the minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises unto the fathers... And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people, and again praise the Lord all ye Gentiles, and laud him all ye people. So whether you're a Gentile or you're a Jew, we're to praise the Lord. But he also preached Christ. In verses 67 through 75, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, "Behold, or blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people; He hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, and and as He spake by the mouth of His holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all them all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember His holy covenant." The oath which he swore to Abraham, our our father Abraham, he would grant unto us that we be delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. So when he talks about raising up a horn of salvation in the house of David, he's talking about raising up a king out of the house of David. And of course, this was prophesied concerning David's house, that he would have a king to sit on his throne. Uh... In verse 77, he talks about the salvation, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. So he understood, again, the fact that he was righteous, he understood that the salvation didn't come by the sacrifices that he was offering in the temple, but they were going to come by the one who was to come, of whom his son would be the one to reveal to the world. And he understood that. He was declaring that he understood that. In fact, he promoted his son's purpose and instructed him. And we find this in verses 76 through 79. You know, and these are things that we are to teach our children. Number one, he promoted the the idea that his son would introduce or reveal the Messiah, the Christ, to Israel and the world. Look at verse 76. And thou child shall be called the prophet of the highest. John, that little boy that he was looking at that was just born, he said, thou child, you're going to be the prophet. You're going to proclaim to the world, this is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the purpose of your life. That's the purpose for your life. That's why God brought you into this world. God has brought, and by the way, God has brought every one of us into this world to be a witness and testimony for Him. Now He don't force us, but that's our purpose—to be a witness and testimony for Him, who loved us and gave Himself for us. Look at in fact, look at John chapter one. We see this is fulfilled by John. In John chapter one and verse thirty here is John now speaking. He says, This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not. But he that but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore I can am therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it bowed upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth of the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. And of course... In verse 36, it says, in, the next, in verse 35, And the next day John stood, and two of his disciples, so this was after he baptized them, the next day, and it says, looking upon Jesus, he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So his, his disciples, John's disciples, are standing around him, whom he's been telling about the Christ that's coming, they're standing around him, and they, watch, they see John and go, That's the Lamb of God right there. And you know what they did? They left John and followed Jesus. That was what John came for. That's what we're here for. We're not here to win people to ourselves. We're here to win people to Christ. To be witness and testimony for him. See, Zacharias understood the purpose of his son's birth. That he would be the one. He would be the one to reveal Christ to the world. You know, and, and John showed them, showed his disciples, who Jesus was. He revealed to him the person of Christ. Notice in, this in in uh, verse 38. Then John, Jesus turned and saw them following. Of course, in, in, we, we read there in verse 34 that he said, this is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. He made plain who this was, Son of God. In verse 38, then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, what seek ye? So, to the disciples, to the disciples... Of John's disciples started following Jesus and Jesus said "Uh, what seek ye? and they said unto him Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted Master where dwellest thou? and he said unto them come and see and one of the two, verse 40 which heard John speak, followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him we have found the Messiahs which is being interpreted, the Christ. In other words, John taught Andrew and Peter who Jesus was. He's not just a man. He's the Christ. He's the anointed of God. He is God with us. That's what Messiah really means. Emmanuel means God with us. He's the God man. He'll be the savior of the world. He revealed his person. The second thing, it was, John, of course, was, he, he was he was sent to prepare people to meet and accept the Lord. And this is what he did throughout his life. In verses 77, again, of Luke chapter 1, he says, To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet unto the way of peace. Now, so... You know, again, in John, John it tells us in verses 35 through 8, they call him Master. You know, they had been taught by John. They believed that Jesus was the Christ. John also taught them, this is the day spring. Now, that word day springs means a rising light. It's like a rising light. In other words, the one to come would be the light of the world, to bring spiritual light and life. Again, look at John chapter 1. And John the Baptist talks about this in John chapter 1. John records it for us. It says in uh, John 1 verse 4, In him was life, speaking about Christ, the life was the light of men, the light shineth the darkness, the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. In other words, John wasn't that light And we're talking about John the Baptist here, not John the Apostle. John wasn't that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And if you notice, that word light is capitalized every time. It's speaking about Christ. See, John understood this is the light of the world. This is is the light of God. This is the one who comes to give us spiritual life and light, understanding of God. Jesus would later say in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. If you're walking in confusion and darkness, it's because you're not following Christ. There's not darkness when you're walking with the Lord. But he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And again, this was prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. The Pharisees should have understood all this. Zacharias did. He did. Elizabeth did. And many others, though they were a minority. Again, Isaiah 49 6. He said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore the preserved Israel. I will also give thee a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. And you know, one of the things that the, even the disciples struggled with was taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Yes, prophesied in the Old Testament. They had such animosity. They had such prejudice against anyone outside the Jewish nation themselves. Again, Isaiah 60 and verse 3, "...and the Gentiles shall come to thy light." And the kings to the brightness of thy rising. You are know, the wise men, kings from the east, these were Gentiles that came and brought gifts and worshipped him at the house. They came at the rising of that light. In Luke 2, and verse 32, Simeon, when he came in, when they brought the Lord, Lord Jesus in for dedication, Simeon said this in Luke 2.32, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. See, he, he also understood, though he was a Jew, he understood that this, this man would be a light. He would bring salvation to Gentiles also. And so, you know, Zacharias, he understood his son's purpose and he instructed him in that. He instructed him in that. As he was told... By the angel uh, that he would go before and prepare the people for the Lord. And so, you know, he was instructed. John, you know, he instructed his son to serve the Lord. And, of course, we need to instruct our children. They have a purpose in life. God has a purpose for them. They're not here by accident. Our children are here by accident. God has a purpose for every one of us. And he will reveal that purpose to us if we will be open to receive it. if we'll be willing to accept it. You know so often as we don't want to accept what his will is, we want to do our own thing. We want to lean to our own understanding. We're human, Just like Zacharias, you know? Hmm, I don't see how that's possible. No, The angel said, "It shall be performed. It shall be performed." And so, you know, we need to believe God. You know, Zacharias had a testimony that pleased the Lord. Lo, he was not without his faults. He was human like us. Yet, he was righteous before God. He was a, he was a man that God used in a mighty way. He had a heart to please the Lord. You know, what kind of heart do you have? Is it to seek and to please the Lord? And obey His will, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. For the time of your word tonight, thank you for this example recorded for us in the scriptures. We thank you, Father, that not only is recorded the, the good things, but also the things that and wherein he failed. Father it helps us to understand to relate, be able to relate. That he was human, like as we are. And yet, God, we thank you that you keep your promises. We can have confidence and assurance in your word. Help us not to doubt, but to rest and trust in your promises, we pray. Help us to understand that we have a purpose. And, Father, we need to just allow you to direct and guide us and seek your will to be pleasing to you, that you might fulfill your purposes in in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.